0: get a chance to meet you on your way in. My name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor uh, here at the table. And like Melissa said, we absolutely, uh, like we want to connect with you. We want to find out how we can be an encouragement to you and your family. And I know, you know when you walk into a church for the first time, there is a level of like evaluation that's happening. You're not really sure what to expect. And so um, what I hope that you experience in, as while you're a part of our service today or into the future is a level of authenticity, um, an authenticity that like there's no pretense to. It's like, this is just who we are. Um, and, and I hope that what you experience here is that your faith comes alive. Um, and, and so that's not being involved in a program per se, but it's a, a allowing your relationship with God to be that guiding factor in everything that you do. And so that's, that's what we hope for all of us who are part of the table, is to, to make sure that our faith is lived out in every decision that we make. So if you are new or newer with us, uh, I would love for you guys to be a part of what we call Formed, which is our pathway to partnership if you've been a part of churches before. Um, Typically, it's referred to as membership. It's just some intentional language that we use, and I explain all of that in Formed. Um, But I like doing Formed, and the reason that I like doing that is because it allows me to get to know new people at the church. It's really easy. Um, to just kind of float in and out. But I like I, honestly, I want to get to know you, find out your stories, what God is up to in your life, and then you can get to know me a little bit as well. So Formed was actually supposed to start um, last Wednesday, but it did not. And so because of that, now you can get in on the fast track of Formed because Formed is typically four weeks on Wednesdays from six to seven. But somehow I got to figure out how to do it in three weeks. Um, so you get a little bit of a, a shorter commitment level. Um, but if you want to, you can sign up to be a part of form today after the service. And so I'll go out um, to our registration table, which is out the doors to the left, and I'll help you get signed up. Um, We'd love to have you. We've got about a dozen folks um, that were signed up, and so we can take more people um, today if you want to do that. If you are new with us, um, feel free to ask questions. If there are questions about um, about the church or what you hear this morning or what we believe Always feel free to ask. Um, no question is a bad question. No question is off the table. I could talk about weird questions that I get. I shouldn't say that because now you're going to know what's the weird question. No questions are weird, but I get weird questions sometimes, and I don't mind. I'm willing to answer those. I don't know about you. <laughs> I feel weird today. And I don't mean like weird, like physically weird, but like weird in the sense of like I am a very much routine person. Do the same things at the same time every single day. Do the same things on the same days every single week. You know, this last week we had Groundhog's Day, and we also experienced Groundhog's Day. So I'm not really sure what day it is. I know it's Sunday, but it doesn't feel like Sunday. I was talking to my son a couple of days ago, not yesterday. That's the important part of this story. And he said, Dad, can I wear this to church tomorrow? I said, well, tomorrow is Saturday, but I think you can wear it on Sunday. So we have lost track of days. I'm looking forward to get back to normal. So hopefully we make it through the message this morning like normal, and there's nothing wrong. But it's just, I don't know, it's just a weird feeling. I need to be routined, and my routine was messed up this week. So, but anyway, we're here, <clears throat> and so let's get into the message. But let me pray for us before we do that. Father, thanks so much for uh, just the privilege of worship and gathering together today, and I pray that as we are here, um, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to understand the life that you have called us into and, and, and just the, the blessings of that. Um, so Father, I pray that the words that I say would be from you and that they would, um, through the work of your Holy Spirit, make a difference in our lives in terms of our understanding of who you are, our relationship with you, and then um, what that means is we seek to live out um, the faith that we have. And so, Father, if there's anyone here who hasn't yet um, taken that step across that line of faith, or maybe they're, they're struggling or doubting, God, I, I pray that you would uh, be at work in their hearts today. So just continue to meet with us, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Going all the way back to my elementary school days on the playground when someone would say, you got to check this out, immediately <clears throat> everyone came running. At that point, typically, it was to see something disgusting like a dead bird, the entrails of a squirrel, something like that. But when someone said, you got to see this, we all went because we knew we wanted to see whatever it was. We couldn't miss it. Today with social media, it's likely a video that a friend sends to you with the message, check this out. So if a friend sends you a message, there's a link to a video that says, check this out. What are you going to do? You're going to click on the video. You're going to watch it because you want to see what it is. You have to see this. You don't want to miss it. There were two young men, two friends, who were trying to figure out what to do with their lives. One option was to just follow along with the family business, which is typically what young men did at the time. They just, whatever their fathers did, that's typically what they did. But these guys were looking for something different, something a little bit more. They were curious. They wanted to learn. They wanted to explore what was out there. It was about that time that they heard about this eccentric dude. He was kind of strange. He wore weird clothes made of animal skins, lived out in the wilderness. But one of the things that really attracted them to him was the fact that he was willing to push against the status quo. And so they went to where he was one day and listened to him teach. And they were enthralled by what they heard. Style was captivating. And then the message was, repent. Do things different because the kingdom is coming. Live your life differently. Don't be so self-centered because the kingdom is here. And they were just blown away by the message that they heard that day. They knew that If the kingdom was coming, they wanted to be a part of that, and they wanted to continue to learn more and understand more about what this teacher was talking about, and so what they did was they just began to follow him. They followed him around for a while, continuing to listen to him teach, and then one day the message was a little bit different. It wasn't so much about repentance, changing your life, and the kingdom that was coming, but He began to talk about a new person, somebody else who was coming, somebody better, somebody greater. And this idea really intrigued them, and they continued to learn more. And one day, as they were in a smaller group talking about this one who was to come, their teacher said, guys, listen, if you want to really follow someone, don't follow me. You need to follow him. And a few minutes later, as they continued to talk, uh, on the road adjacent to where they were, a man started walking by. And with a head nod and a slight point, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. These two young men were captivated by what they saw. Somehow they knew, even as he passed by on the road, he was different. So they looked at each other, nodded in understanding, and they slipped quietly away from the group. And they ran up to the road where they had seen this man pass by, and they began to follow. Not too close, that would be weird, but close enough to see everything that he was doing. They understood what their teacher had been talking about, the kingdom language, Someone better, someone greater. They recognized that their teacher was talking about the Messiah. And they wanted to see if, in fact, this guy was that one. So they followed. In fact, they followed for a couple of miles. Again, not too close, but close enough to see everything that he was doing. And eventually, this man that they were following turned around and said, What do you want? There's obviously a couple of different ways that you can understand that question. On one level, it could be understood as, hey, what are you weirdos doing? Why are you following me? But on the other hand, it could be, what do you want out of life? They've been caught. Because they were looking for something, but exactly that something that they were looking for was really hard for them to articulate. And so their response was, we just want to know where you're staying. And again, that statement could be understood a couple of different ways, too. I mean, look at it very literally. Like, where are you going? Where are you spending the night? But at the same time, in that statement is a word that is very popular in John's life story of Jesus. It's the word abide or remain because their statement was, we want to know where you are abiding or remaining. Later in John's gospel, we read, if you abide in me, the words of Jesus, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Where are you going? Where are you staying? Because wherever you go, we want to follow you. And the response they got was, come and see. It was those three simple words that Jesus used to invite his first disciples to become followers. Come and see. It was an invitation into a relationship. An invitation into an adventure. An invitation to have their lives changed. Just come and see. And that same invitation that Jesus gave to Andrew, we read his name in the text of John chapter 1, and most likely John. We don't read his name, but we don't read John's name anywhere in John's gospel, so that's why we believe the other one was John. That same invitation that Jesus gave to Andrew and John, I want you to hear, is given to each and every one of us. Come and see. Come and see. It's that simple. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have all your questions answered. You don't have to get everything right. Just come and see. Enter into that life-changing relationship with Jesus. I wonder if you might be like Andrew and John. If you're looking for something. Maybe like them, being able to articulate exactly what it is that you're looking for Proves to be a challenge. Or maybe it's hope or purpose or meaning outside of yourself. I want you to hear, if that's where you're at, hear those words of Jesus saying, just come and see. But you know, it's different today, right? It's not an invitation into a relationship with a living, breathing, talking Jesus, it's an invitation to believe or trust. It's an invitation to believe the life story of someone who lived over 2,000 years ago. And so even as we understand parts of that story, we're still left with questions like, how do you know? How can you trust all of this? And those questions might seem unique to us, but they're not. Because those were even questions that Andrew and John had to ask and answer. And they knew people would ask them the same question, because again, they recognized that this person that they were following was in fact the Messiah, and so people would come to them and say, how do you know? How can we trust Him? And I think what John specifically figured out in the time that he was a follower of Jesus, he began to understand that God always had a plan. Today we are beginning... Our new series of messages called Come and See. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying through John chapter 1. But what we're going to be talking about is how we are invited into a relationship with Jesus through those three simple words just come and see. And we recognize that we are able to have a relationship because of who Jesus was and what he accomplished for us through his death and resurrection. And what I want you to know is that what happened to Jesus that allows us to have a relationship with him, it is not something that just happened. It was always God's plan. It was God's plan from the very beginning. And I want to show you why as we look this morning at John chapter 1, verses 1-13. through 13. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there, John chapter 1. So it is the fourth life story of Jesus or gospel in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. So right at the beginning, John chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, it'll be on the screen as I read it, or uh, if you have the Version Bible app on your phone, you can follow along there. The scripture's there, the notes are there, there's some questions for further reflection, all kinds of things that are really helpful, so I would encourage you to use that. But here's what John says in his life story of Jesus at the very beginning in verse 1. "'In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God.' And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing that was created was created that has been created. In him was life and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness does not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about that light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. I wonder what you would think if I told you that God had a plan for your life. Some of you, because you're like me, we've been conditioned to believe that for a really long time, would say, absolutely, I get it. I think God has a plan for my life. Others, though, and maybe for all of us, as we navigate our way through difficult circumstances in life, there are times where we are not really sure that that's the case. One of my favorite movies is the movie Simon Birch. If you haven't watched Simon Birch, I would highly recommend you watching that movie. But the movie Simon Birch tells the story of a sixth grade boy who was born with um, some physical uh, abnormalities. So he's smaller and things like that. And so Simon throughout the movie just absolutely believed because of who he was and his uh, physical stature that God had a special plan for his life. But in a scene about two-thirds of the way through the movie, after Simon had ruined the Christmas pageant, he is taken to the pastor's office. And the pastor's absolutely exasperated in dealing with Simon and all of the trouble that he has brought to him and then the people in the church. And they kind of go back and forth for a while, and the pastor just says, Simon, what is it that you want? And Simon says, I just want to know God has a plan for me. that's where you are and you're saying hey I just want to know God has a plan for me here's what I want you to know God does have a plan for you and God's plan for you was to accomplish everything so that you could be brought into a relationship with Jesus that will change your life forever that's God's plan and it wasn't a plan that was just an accident it wasn't just the events of that plan weren't just things that happened but this was God's plan from the very beginning Because as John begins his life story of Jesus, he says, In the beginning was the Word. It's an interesting way to start someone's life story. Quite a bit different than the other Gospels. Instead of starting at the birth of Jesus, or like Mark does with the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John starts with the beginning of time. And he says, In the beginning was the Word. And a lot of what John is doing at the very beginning of his life story of Jesus harkens back to what we read in Genesis chapter 1. Because he doesn't say, in the beginning was Jesus, he uses this odd designation, Word. What is the Word? The Word is the way that God reveals himself, it's through his Word. And so, as we look at the word with a capital W, we could say that the definition of the word capital W is the ultimate self revelation of God. And everything that John's doing harkens back to what we read in Genesis chapter 1. So, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then, verse 3, God said, Let there be light. And so, you can see the, the parallels. In the beginning, in the beginning. And then God said, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, or Jesus was in the beginning. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. There's so much here that's really important. It's under important to understand because it says, in the beginning was the Word, or Jesus was in the beginning. It means that there wasn't a time where Jesus... Did not exist. It wasn't at some point Jesus came into existence or the Word came into existence, but that he always existed. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And what we begin to see as John describes the beginning of the life story of Jesus is this important doctrine that we refer to as the doctrine of the Trinity. That we believe that there is one God who has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Spirit, the Spirit's not the Father. They're equal in essence, but unique in personhood. And so John says, in the beginning was the Word, and He was equal with the Father, but yet distinct from the Father. We read that the Word was active in all the creative process. Verse 3 says, all things were created through Him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then we get into verse 5, which is fascinating to me. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Now, when we read that, we automatically think metaphorically. Okay, we get it. John is talking about how... uh, Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. The darkness represents our sin. Jesus is the light that shines through our sinfulness, pointing our way back to God. And all of those things are true. But yet, at the same time, the layers of meaning in that are fascinating to me. Think about this. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 The earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And then God said, verse 3, let there be light. There is a sense in which I think what John is doing is going back to Genesis chapter 1 and saying, hey, the first couple of verses of Genesis 1 aren't just about the method that God used to create the universe. It's talking about how God was up to something greater. That there would be a period of time where darkness would reign over the earth, but then at some point the Word of God would come and bring light into the darkness and break through the darkness, pointing our way back to God. What John is doing is saying God always had a plan. And it started with who. Because in the beginning was the Word. And the plan of God always pointed to Jesus. It's interesting to me in, in verse 6, we are now introduced to the person that we know as John the Baptist. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. And similar to Jesus, he had a kind of a miraculous birth story where there was the appearance, unexpected appearance, of an angel announcing his birth. We're actually going to talk about John's story a little bit more in a couple of weeks. John's mom was past the age of childbearing, but that didn't matter because God had a plan. And God's plan was to raise up John as the forerunner of Jesus. He was the one who would introduce the world to the Messiah, but John was not the one. In fact, John was asked specifically, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? And he said, no, there's someone who's coming after me, who's better than me, greater than me, someone whose sandals I'm not even willing, I'm not even able to tie. That's how great he is. I'm not worthy of doing that. John wasn't the hero because he understood that Jesus was the hero. He's the only hero. One of the things that really frustrates me about our culture is the high value that we place on self-promotion. It seems like the only way to get ahead is to promote yourself. Like, you have to do that. And I think social media has really highlighted that for us. Because you can go on Instagram or YouTube, and as long as you know how to work the system... And you promote yourself in the right way, you can be the expert on whatever it is that you want to be the expert on. The language that's used today is influencer. So, with no experience, no education, no credentials, you can be the expert in whatever you want to be an expert in. You just tell the story in the right way. And in telling your story, You become the hero. But I want you to know, we are not the hero. You are not the hero of your story. Because Jesus is. It's Jesus who breaks through the darkness to bring life to everyone. In him was life, and that life was the light of men Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name. The plan of God that started at the very beginning, it always pointed to Jesus and God's plan was to bring new life through Jesus. But prior to verse 12, we read these words. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And so you got to think about this. If God's plan from the very beginning was to send Jesus through his work for us on the cross, that would allow us to have a life-changing relationship with him. If that was always God's plan and Jesus came into the world that he created, so everything has been created by him, why don't more people see it? Jesus came to his own, his own people, the Jewish people who for thousands of years had been awaiting the Messiah. Why didn't they recognize him? Why don't more people get it? If this was always God's plan, it's God's plan from the very beginning, why don't more people see it? The reason being is because the darkness of our hearts blinds us to the truth. I think deep down inside we all know We know that there has to be more to life than what we see. The reason I think we all know that is because the answers that we can provide apart from our understanding of God only, at best, are slightly satisfactory. It truly only makes sense if there is a God who wants us to know Him. But the problem is, because of the darkness of our hearts, our sinfulness, it blinds us to that reality. And so rather than recognizing the truth of God and seeing Jesus, what we think to ourselves is, we can do it. I can figure this out. But the truth is, we can't. And we'll never be able to because our story, my story, Is the story of someone who needs to be rescued. And that's what Jesus came to do. It says, To those who receive him, he gave the right to be children of God, to those who believe. In his name. The idea that those who receive him and to believe, those are really synonymous terms because to receive Jesus is to recognize Jesus. It's uh, to trust in the truth of who he is. And so it's through faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus, or trusting in Jesus, accepting the truth about Jesus, that allows us to become children of God. Meaning that we have, we, enjoy all the rights and privileges of being a child of God, which is a change of identity. Apart from faith in Jesus, we are lost and without hope, but the moment that we trust in Jesus or receive him, we receive a new identity. We are children of God, which gives us meaning and purpose in life. And that's what God invites us into. To have our lives changed. you got to see this. Check it out. Come and see. Three simple words that Jesus used to invite his first followers to just follow him. But how do you know? That's the key question, isn't it? I believe what John does at the beginning of John chapter 1 and says, hey, this was God's plan from the very beginning. But the reality is I cannot prove that to you 100%. That's where faith comes in. And at some point, in hearing that invitation to come and see, you have to take that first step and believe. Not that you have to have every question answered or everything figured out, but Jesus offers this invitation to us to simply come and see and have our lives changed forever. And so if that's where you are today, if you are trying to figure out what you believe or, or, or what life is really all about, I want you to hear the words of Jesus saying, come and see, step across that line and just begin to follow. For those of us who have would say that we're followers of Christ already, let's remember what the invitation that has been extended to us and what that means because we are not who we were. So we've got to make sure that we live out the new identity that we have as children of God, making sure that that reality determines everything that we do because it's through a simple invitation of come and see Andrew and John began to follow. And they kept following. And their lives were changed forever. And that's the invitation that Jesus gives to us. Just come and see. And see what happens. Will you pray with me?